Our God is a missionary God, and we are His missionary people. You're listening to The Scent Life, the official podcast of the Center for Great Commission Studies at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Ready or not, here they come. That's not just what we say at uh, playing hide-and-go-seek, but also uh, as we approach Easter season, a bunch of new people are going to show up at your church this Sunday. What do you think about them? We'll talk about that on The Scent Life. Hey, Keelan. Hey, Scott. How are you? I'm well. You know, I'm, I'm kind of glad that we're actually back in the studio together at this point. I know. We've, we've been missing each other. A bunch of these. Uh, kind of one-off. I know. So. We've been missing each other for the last several weeks. Hey, well, Easter's on its way. Yeah. In fact, it is. It's kind of right around the corner now. Yeah. What happens at the cookhouse on Easter? Uh, you know, that's a good question. We, of course, tend to have a big, like, Easter lunch, like everybody else does. You go, you dress up and all your Easter stuff. We've got little outfits for the kids. Meredith has meticulously planned out what they're going to wear. I think Nora picked out her own shoes. Uh, and so we're going to have a big time, and then we'll probably do the Easter lunch like everybody does. Do y'all match on Easter? Uh, no. If no. by match you mean we're all wearing clothes that are roughly pastel-oriented or something, perhaps. Uh, there's a good chance I'll have on Seersucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you wear that every Sunday. Hey, you I know, mean, hey. you know, Keenan, one of the things that um, when we think about Easter Sunday at most churches, there's this kind of love-hate relationship between a lot of church members, right? Yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's a fair thing to say. Um, and Easter creates a pretty unique environment anyways, right? So you've got, in theory, with Easter at most churches, one of the busiest Sundays of the year. Uh, we talk about those CEO Christians, those Christmas and Easter-only <laughs> Christians, right? Right. And there's a lot that typically gets said, for better or for worse, about those folk that only show up on those two days. Yep, it's like they are um, kind of wanted but unwelcome guests. In a sense, yeah, it feels that way, doesn't it? So we often, uh, we say, hey, we, we really want to make a big deal out of Easter. And then kind of the rest of the year, we act as though those people that would only show up on, on Easter or Christmas are... I don't know, almost unwelcomed, as you'd say. They're unwelcomed guests. So yeah. the question is, how do we really engage in that? How do we think well about these people that might just show up on Easter, might just show up on Christmas, and since Easter's the one that's around the corner, let's talk specifically about that one. Yeah, I think that's a good question. That's what we want to deal with today uh, on our podcast. What do we what do we do with these uh, Easter-only guests or Christmas and Easter-only guests? It, it really is a, um, for some people in the church, it's frustrating, right? almost this love-hate relationship of, and these people only show up on Easter, they come with their fancy clothes, what are they doing tipping God with their time, you know, why are, is everybody showing up, they roll out their fancy clothes, and if we're not careful, we create this really negative um, attitude toward people who are showing up uh, at this time of the year. Uh, but what we want to talk about today is perhaps there's a better way to approach uh, these guests or even members who only show up a couple times a year and how we can really position ourselves through this Easter crowd or this Easter crunch uh, to think more evangelistically about uh, about these folks that are showing up. Right. So if we want to put this kind of into the context of our season for this, uh, well, this season, uh, we've been talking about evangelism. And if if we want to think through the lens of what that moment at church on an Easter Sunday creates for us, I think there's an opportunity for us to perhaps 
not see all these, hey, we show up one time a year guests as a nuisance, but instead realizing there's an evangelistic or at least a disciple-making opportunity that may exist out of the fact that these people, they're here today. Right. And so what are we going to do with that? Yeah, I think that's where we start, right? It's, it really is the hook, right? If we, if we think about uh, this, this podcast, study, there's kind of a series of statements that we want to make. You know, the first one is uh, rather than viewing uh, folks that show up on Easter as a nuisance, right? We've done all of this stuff. They just show up today. They probably won't be here next week. They'll show up a year later. As a nuisance, what if, what if we view it as an opportunity? I've often told, uh, told folks, if you want to view this from a, a missionary uh, viewpoint or an evangelist viewpoint, what if we started thinking about the people who showed up on Easter Sunday only, kind of like those people at the end of an evangelistic service who, when the, when the preacher says, hey, raise your hand if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. Raise your hand if you're interested. And we look around, you know, you're supposed to have your eyes closed, but you peek around and see all these people with their hands up. What if we started viewing these people that showed up on Easter as those who were raising their hand? There's some interest there's some attention given at least this one day a year to the spiritual, uh, to the fact that there's a God. Even if they're not faithful, and we know that they're not, they're not Christians, we know that they're probably not. That's the reason they only show up once a year. But there's some tip in their life, some some nod in the direction of their life, that there is something more, and at least I'm a little bit interested in that and then that starts us on this process of evangelism and missions. Yeah, that's exactly right. So if we can have a bit of a philosophy shift going into the way that we view these people uh, who might just show up on this day, certainly there's some nominal Christianity right. at play here, right? And we don't, we don't want to give a pass to nominal Christianity in, in that sense. Uh, at the same time, though, your point really stands out here, I think, is key. And if we can have that philosophy shift that says perhaps— Instead of assuming all that is at play here is a nominal Christianity, we've got people that have come through a season where we, we often know that outreach pushes and invitations to church, the, the few weeks leading into Easter, there's more inviting mm-hmm. going on in that period anyway. So there's a good chance that these people that might be a Easter-only Christian, mm-hmm. so to speak, or an Easter-only attender, uh, there's a number of reasons that could be, and at least some of them, it, it could be interest. It could be having a particular point in their life where they've come to a spot where they're particularly sensitive to, to spiritual matters. Uh, and if we realize that may be the case, then it reframes, mm-hmm. I think, the way we deal uh, with this moment in the life of our church, this particular worship service, and perhaps the weeks that would follow. Right. So what do we do practically about this? I think there are a couple things that we uh, that we can do. So we frame our mindset, right? It's that uh, that Easter is the beginning uh, of a journey together. It's not the end. Yeah, so that's really important, right? Um, oftentimes, I feel like here's the biggest trap we fall into when it comes to Easter. Uh, we do a whole lot of before the event mm-hmm. talk. I mean, I'm, you know, at our church and, and basically every church I've ever been a part of, the several weeks leading up to Easter, there's all this ramp up of, hey, make sure you invite your neighbor. Hey, here's these inviter cards. Hey, we're going to have this radio advertisement showing. Hey, there's this billboard over here. Make sure we get people to come to church. And so there's all this stuff leading up to the day. It almost feels like Easter's the finish line right. for that. But instead of viewing it as the finish line, if we were really going to think in an evangelistic and an outreach uh, frame here, what if that was the starting line? Right. Yeah. And I think that's where we begin, right? So 
Easter Sunday, the people who show up, this is the this is the beginning of a journey with them. Mm-hmm. Now it's not it's not it's not a journey that we know the destination. But if we're like, okay, this is over, or I'm frustrated with these people, they only show up once a year. Uh, they take my seat, they park in my spot, I'm done with them. Well, then people pick up on that attitude and they think, well, I'm just going to go to your church and leave. Or we're exhausted or we think that, that Easter is the end, then it's over. But rather than think of Easter as the stopping point, it's the beginning point. So now, in order to maximize the interest that some people are showing in the Christian message or in your church, what are we doing to build in some type of feedback loop, right? right. What are we going to do now? And I think now is the day, right? This is the the Wednesday before Easter Sunday. So you've got about four days in your church, uh, four days in your your ministry, your small group, whatever it is that you're doing. No matter where you are in the world, you know, Easter is about four days away. What are you doing to build into what you're going to do in the next four days? Some type of feedback loop that says, how do I capture some information from some people so that in the next week or two after that, I can continue the conversation that we, uh, we started together on Easter Sunday, right? The preacher's going to preach a sermon about Jesus. Uh, the musicians are going to give their best uh, music about Jesus and the resurrection from the dead. What what follow-up or feedback loop do we have in place? In fact, I would say to, that go ahead, if you don't have a feedback loop in place, today's the day to start planning that. You've put all of this energy into that one Sunday if it stops there, then we miss the opportunity. Of course, we're going to give an invitation at the end of this service. We're going to have, give a chance for people to respond to Jesus. And we're going to plan to follow up with those who make that decision. Yeah. What's the follow-up plan for those that just attend on Sunday, but they're also entering into a journey or a conversation with you that we can try to keep going with those that will let us? Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and feedback loops, there's a bunch of different ways to do that. Of course, it's oftentimes as simple as, hey, make sure people are filling out a visitor card right. so that you've got some information to be able to follow up on people that had come for the first time or, well, haven't been there since last Easter. Right. And now you've got accurate contact information. But from there, so once we've got some ways to capture some of that information for follow-up, uh, we need to build in some some actual practices where follow-up could happen or some opportunities for people from the church to get involved in that. Or So you may be listening to this as a pastor, and your question, the way you need to think through this is, one, how am I going to capture that information? What kind of feedback loop am I going to build in? And then how are we going to activate our church to be involved in following through with conversation with these people that may have come? And you know, it could be some kind of visitation process. It could be divvying out your cards, have everybody make a phone call. There's all kinds of different ways to do it. Now, if I'm, you know, just a, a church attender, I'm a faithful church member, and I'm saying to myself, I'd love to think better mm. about Easter. And it's not just this big event that we can all pat ourselves on the back and say, look how many people showed today. But it's instead an opportunity for us to see people we've not seen in a long time or see new people for the first time. Mm-hmm. And then I use the fact that they were here mm-hmm. as a good starting point for me to begin engaging with them in some really serious conversations. Maybe I'm going to go to my pastor or I'm going to go to leadership in the church and say, hey, have we, are we planning on catching the mm-hmm. names of people? And if so, might I have a few? I'd be happy to go meet some of these people. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think so the, so the real high point today uh, is that uh, holidays are great opportunities for evangelism in our church. Absolutely. Um, statistically, uh, across the church calendar, we have Easter holiday, we have Mother's Day, Christmas, Christmas Eve, uh, we have other holiday events that are big events in the church. Generally, we focus all of our effort on that one day. Precisely. One big event and invite people in. 
The challenge for this, though, is let's not end the conversation on that day, but let's let that be the beginning of a journey of faith. The more our culture is secular, the more our culture is not uh, engaged regularly with the gospel or with church attendance, the more that one-off event isn't going to close the loop. So we we move into this closing the loop of faith is a journey that takes place. That event is just one catalyst in their journey of faith. Yeah, and it moves us out of an event-only orientation Mm -hmm. for the way that we would do evangelism and disciple-making into uh, more of a relational attitude, uh, this ongoing process of being able to have these regular touches with people. And it could, for you, be as simple as having your eyes open at Easter and realizing there's some new families here and saying, hey, we're going to have Easter lunch at our house. Why don't you guys show up? So maybe a piece of this is since we're only a few days out, set a couple extra plates at your uh, at your table yeah. for Sunday and be sure to invite one of those families or some of those guests that may be there to, to join you. It yeah. could be as simple as starting there. Yeah. Unless we, unless we said at the beginning of our podcast, you know, just like the old hide and go seek, ready or not, you know, here they come. Yeah. So why don't we be ready? We've got time to get ready. Let's be ready. People are coming and people need to know Jesus. And at this season, we're telling the greatest story that anyone has ever heard that God so loved the world that he sent his son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. We're telling the story of a Savior who came into the world, who gave his life for the redemption and the salvation of the world, and he rose again from the dead to destroy the power of sin, death, and the grave. There's not a better story to be told, and we have that story. And you're going to have dozens, if not hundreds of people in your church in a few days who don't know that that story makes a difference in their life. And we can be their, their, the key uh, actor or participant in their journey toward faith in Jesus. Hey, thanks a ton for being here with us today on The Scent Life. Uh, yeah, and uh, we are really glad that you uh, listened in with us today, and we hope that this is beneficial for you. If so, we'd be happy if you'd share it with others. Uh, we'd be happy if you followed along with us as we do these episodes week after week. Of course, you can find our podcasts anywhere that you find podcasts. And uh, feel free to follow us on all the social media channels as well. You can find us on Twitter and all the places. So feel free to do so. Uh, we thank you for tuning in, and uh, we'll catch you next time on The Scent Life.